Hello, everyone. Joshua Gilliland here with Jessica Peterson, and we are here to discuss the legal issues in <laughs> Captain Marvel. Woohoo! Hey, Josh, how are you? I am well. Well, let's 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 be honest. We're both recovering from cold, so this is going to be a <laughs> very special, sniffly edition of our podcast. So. Hey, if Captain Marvel can keep getting back up, so can we. Exactly. So it's like, don't be a wimp. So take your Dayquil and get to work. So. That's right. And then get a full night's sleep and recover. But yeah, uh, sleep in fluids. Yeah, exactly. So yes. let's uh, let's go over some first impressions and let's talk about the law. How did you like it? I loved it, and I have to say quickly, not just me, my fifteen-year-old son, my twelve-year-old daughter, my very contrarian forty-year-old brother, and my dad. And so for all five of us to actually agree on a movie, usually there's two to three of us who can agree on something. For all five of us to agree, and especially my brother who likes to like, he is, you know, rained on my parade about Wonder Woman and about Black Panther. I know, but no, everyone loves this one. And especially, it was actually interesting for me because obviously, you know, I like all the Marvel movies and was excited for finally the first female-led Marvel movie but i actually don't know captain marvel the character at all so i really wasn't even sure what to expect um i really i've never even seen brie larson brie larson and anything besides uh what is that united states of Terra, where she was kind of the annoying teenage daughter but yeah so i was surprised i loved it i love the 90s music i love of course samuel jackson well i always love samuel jackson but seeing 90s samuel jackson and nick fury you know before he started interacting with superheroes on a daily basis like it was awesome how about you i i also loved it the it did uh cause college flashbacks with the music so because <laughs> that was our time and so there was uh there were there were flashbacks with like i remember i remember where i was when that was popular oh yeah so uh i've I've been a fan of uh, the cosmic Marvel characters and a fan of the original Captain Marvel. Right. You know a lot more about that whole backstory than I do. You explained a bit to me over the, over the ages. Yeah. And, and we'll, we can talk about that, but let, let's focus on this work of art because it is fun. They bring, yes. in my opinion, uh, they brought Kelly Sue DeConnick's comic to life Yes. They did an excellent job in doing so. Brie Larson uh, is excellent. I love seeing her Twitter and Instagram where she was reading trade paperbacks of Captain Marvel comics and getting to know the character that way. Nice. Is I also I, was going to jump in and say really quickly, she also has fabulous fashion, of course, for all this, and that velvet or the velour jumps tracksuit that she wore Saturday night um, of the opening weekend, you know, the Captain Marvel tracksuit. I'm like, all right, I want that so badly. Disney could make a whole other fortune if they just sold that like tracksuit because I really want that. I, I understand why. And <laughs> so, today she was on her Instagram and she did a little video uh, thanking the fans and oh. she very gracious you know described how you know buying a ticket's like casting a vote mm. and uh, she was just so appreciative of all the fans and everyone who saw it 
And, and that gives a nice warm feeling knowing that the actors truly, you know, love the work. In addition to the long list of people who made that movie possible. Yeah. So it, so it is a wonderful love letter to the current comics with how Carol interacts. Cause she is snarky. She is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And at times, and, uh, uh, knows how to throw down and it's it's worthy of a discussion of you know the different comic stories with her with um, uh, Alpha Flight and the space defense of Earth and some of the early stories with the Avengers I really think Larson nailed it and that was fun yeah and you're right I do want to say too it is nice because unlike some other actors who do a great job portraying their roles, but have whined at times about having to do those roles. <laughs> Chris Evans, I love you, but you do whine about sometimes about being Captain America. Um, she has really intentionally appreciated the power and the opportunities that this role has given her. And I love it too, that she's used it to actually kind of do good too. Like her whole thing about trying to kind of make sure that more people are represented during her press tour and the people who are interviewing her and telling the stories and stuff like that. I just love, I know intentional is such a buzzword now, but it is one I like. And she's been really intentional and appreciative of the platform that she gets by doing this role, which I think is really great. uh, She seems like a wonderful person. Yeah, she is, or does. You're right. She is, like I know her. She does, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she seems awesome. She did a great job. She and Samuel Jackson were a great, you know, buddy cop kind of routine. I mean, everybody loves a buddy cop movie, right? Those are always good. And so that was very fun to watch here. Like us, especially if we've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> like, people would think of us. Exactly. That's exactly it. You should see us in our crazy escapades <laughs> at Comic-Con. I'm usually bad cop. Josh plays good cop. <laughs> what would the reasonably prudent person do? <laughs> ah, good times. Good times. It was, I, again, the fact we live in a world that has a Captain Marvel movie makes me very, very happy. Yes. And, and let, let, you know, getting into a little bit more... And I don't want to go like full comic book guy here. So I'm going to be very, very careful. I loved seeing the scrolls and the fact that we have scrolls that looked like Jack Kirby's drawings and fantastic four with the big eyes when she was hanging upside down on their ship. Right. That I, I wanted to go hug people because it was just like, okay, rock on. Oh, and cool. Then we also there's like the other scrolls that like Ben Mendelsohn's playing that look like the other branch that we've seen in the comics. So it's like, okay, okay. very cool. The, I've, I've mentioned this before, but you know, I took flight lessons before I could drive a car. And uh, I spent a lot of time on flight lines as a kid with, with my dad. Uh, and the, uh, homages they did to uh, the right stuff with her literally picking up the yes that was nice and then the bar with poncho mm-hmm. so in real life there was poncho barnes that's right happy writing bottom club i think it was the name where the test pilots would hang out 
not just the test pilots, that's where Chuck Yeager would hang out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was even, wasn't it, was it a night drinking there? Because pa- Poncho had actually been a female pilot yep. um, or pilot. And she, yeah, she, she and, didn't stop being female. Right. <laughs> and but yes, she had that. Actually, it's funny you should mention that because Chuck Yeager's autobiography, by the way, is fantastic. If you read the right stuff and have not read that, you're missing out. And Josh, by the way, I didn't. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I took flying lessons before I had a driver's license. That is too random and funny. Well, wow, that's talk about that offline. That is huh. wild. The more you know, it's Saskatchewan <laughs> Falls. Maybe that may have been, I think it may have been a night after drinking at her bar that he went out riding and actually broke his collarbone. And of course, then that was a whole famous thing, right? He secretly had a broken collarbone that he didn't tell anyone about when he broke the uh, sound barrier. Yes, and they had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and he had to use the broom handle to close That's the door right. to the X1. Yep. Uh, but I did not make that connection in the movie. Ooh, that's oh, a good connection. I did immediately because because oh. that's how I roll. I was like, oh, I was like, again, trying not to clap and being the one guy to clap for. <laughs> why, why is he clapping for the name of the bar? I, so there's little things like that. Uh, Can I mention one other little one like that that I did not catch either, but Twitter did afterwards? Of so, course. You know, the Stanley cameo, of course, was he was reading a script, and I was too distracted. I didn't catch what script it was, but it was Mallrats, who, of course, those. And I will say that was one of the nice things. I have loved Kevin Smith. I was a New England kid, so maybe I was more into Kevin Smith because that was that kind of New England, New Jersey sort of vibe, but since clerks. And of course, in Mallrats, there was a Stanley cameo because Kevin Smith was into comic books and Stanley and geek culture before it was cool and Disney was into it kind of thing. So anyway, so that was a really neat reference. And I guess Kevin Smith didn't know about it. And I don't know if you saw, he had a very cute tweet afterwards about how touched he was and how now Kevin Smith is a officially part of the MCU. So I thought that was very cool. The the meta commentary on that has been entertaining. <laughs> but again, it's it, they're like love letters to fans embedded mm-hmm. throughout these movies and I so appreciate that. Uh they're like Project Pegasus that goes back to the first Avengers movie. Oh, where, where the cosmic cube was kept. Oh yeah. So they they do keep it tied together. Oof. The let's see now. Um, I thought it was funny that she got you know pointed out to a Radio Shack because yes. in Agents of Shield we learned that like it was like seventy percent of Radio Shacks were fronts for uh, Hydra. So. <laughs> Again, I found that entertaining. The when she's picking the color scheme of her uniform after you know, like parts of her memories are restored. Yes, she uh, one of the color schemes was like green and white. Right, that was the original color scheme for the Cree uniforms in the comics. Oh, all right. So they were a white undercoat, and then like either green or blue. Uh, for for differentiation of like what what the service was or what they were doing. So okay, so all of that was fun. Uh, so there was nice little love letters in there. Right, so. all that stuff. Yeah, so that if you are the hardcore fan, you get those extra layers, but you don't really need them to uh, still appreciate it. So it was a little bit eerie to see both Greg Coulson and uh, Nick Fury de-age so much. You know, it is uh, 
the mind is really messing with you. You're like, you know, it's, especially Greg Coulson looked a little bit faker than Nick Fury, but it was still freaky, both of them. It was, they were, the technology's really improved. Yes. And God bless them for pulling it off. Because it, I mean, Fury looked good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's believable. It, it didn't take you out of your suspension of disbelief watching him. Yeah. You don't think like, oh, he's really 70. <laughs> it's like, like that wasn't, like that feeling wasn't there. It was like the Samuel Jackson that I loved in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Still one of my favorite action movies ever with Gina Davis, if you haven't seen it. Highly awesome. I don't know that one, so I oh, will. It's fantastic. She's like an assassin who's lost her memory, and he is her sidekick, and it's a very funny and very good. So. so I will say the one thing that bothered me, and it was a creative choice, the most difficult thing they had to do in the story was address the original Marvel or not address the original Marvel. Right. Because there's, because uh, Carol's Captain Marvel is either the fourth or the fifth. So it goes the Cree Captain Marvel, then Monica, then you have uh, Marvel's son, who's artificially created. And I don't remember if his daughter actually picked up the name or not as well. Okay. So the original Cree Captain Marvel was male, was a spy. Was Cree? Was Kree. a spy for Cree, not a spy in Cree, right? A spy for Cree. Yes, and eventually flips because they were trying to figure out do we invade Earth or not? And he decides to protect Earth and betrays the Cree Empire. Okay. He, the character goes through multiple evolutions. Uh, he gets uh, what are called nega bands, which channel energy from the negative zone. Ah. He ultimately becomes the protector of the universe and has cosmic awareness, which is kind of like a super zen ability to understand what's going on. Whoa, we could use that right now. Yes, we could. And in a fight with a villain there's a like toxic gas that was coming out of a container and he had to seal it with his bare hands that gave him cancer ah jim starlin wrote the first graphic novel excuse me the first graphic novel marvel ever produced that was the death of captain marvel and it's about Ah. the character dying of cancer and it was right after starlin's father died of cancer oh and it goes through all of the emotions that you can imagine of somebody dying from cancer who's a superhero other superheroes trying to figure out how do we cure cancer yeah and it's a beautiful powerful story wow to touch on any of that in a story about a completely different character yeah undermines that character who's the star of the movie so like how do you deal with that so you know they they did the gender bend from uh, Walter Lawson to Wendy Lawson. And I, I felt, I mean, like I love Annette Benning, but I felt like the role was too brief yeah. that it didn't give the character justice. And I would have preferred, not that I make movies nor that anyone listens to me in, in that, <laughs> but, uh, 
Carol had a female pilot that was one of her mentors. Her, her name was Helen. I would have preferred Helen being the Cree scientist who was hoping the scrolls or could human scientist that was hoping the scrolls and, and yeah. keeping them safe. I think, and they could have just ignored the first one. Yeah. And cause it was just too complicated. And as a longtime fan, I felt hurt cause it's just, I'm like, I get why they did it, but it bothered me. Yeah. Well, that's the opposite of the love letter. Like you said, like since for me, not knowing that backstory, you know, that didn't really impact me at all. I love Annette Benning, so anytime she wants to show up, I'm down with that. Um, I like the whole idea that, you know, the supreme intelligence was her and this whole, she was a Cree who was turning. Um, but yeah, that is the sort of thing where, yes, you're, you're going to, that sort of brief but very different kind of reference to the original Marvel is not going to appease the original comic book fans. So it really is probably best just to make up something completely new or take a different minor character, like you said. Yeah, who, was still, who was still important that right. Annette Benning could have played. Yeah. You know, and they did, oh, they, I mean, like, they did try. Like, they had her hair kind of, like, stand up, kind of like the way Marvels did. Ah. So, so, I'm like, there was stuff that they tried, but, like, it just bugged me. Because yeah. it's like you're giving a character that was important not enough justice. Just short shrift, yeah. That and the way that, you know, uh, Benning's Marvel just gets shot and killed. Yes. It's like, okay, that's so lame. You yeah. Know, it, it was dying of cancer and, I mean, just the emotional impact of that story and how – Marvel and you know the, the Thanos war and what he did and uh, how all the other heroes you know just like loved him mm-hmm. and so when like Monica you know became the second Marvel you know it was like Ben Grimm said to her it's like yeah he he'd be he would like that you yeah. know and yeah. and with Carol it was you know Captain America saying like hey you should do it huh so. So, so that just left me feeling weird. I'm like, I yeah. get, I get they were in a bind. I get there weren't a lot of good options, and I would have preferred not even mentioning the original, and like right. they could do a prequel to a prequel set in the seventies. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were just other options. Um, yeah, not that. You know, that being said. I still love this movie. Uh, I will see it again. Me too. I recommend others to see it. Yes. And it's a wonderful film. Uh, but that's just my my reaction to the creative decision they made for something yeah. that was a really hard call. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. I totally get that. Um, I will say, I'm going to steal from somebody else here, but just thinking about where this is placed in the MCU universe and everything. Um, I do like somebody on one of actually my gossip websites, I forget who now, so I can't give them credit, pointed out, but that Nick Cage, basically his introduction to aliens and all this outer space craziness is 
Captain Marvel and all those powers she has does kind of, well, it does explain very well why he's, why he's really not impressed by any of the other superheroes he meets. Because <laughs> when you start with that, you're like, big deal, Thor. So you're a god and you got a hammer. That's like nothing. I've got way more than that. Or, you know, and the shape-shifting. So I'm like, that is a nice way to kind of set up why he's never that impressed. Like, he's very serious. He's like, we've got important things to do. But yeah, you're not going to impress me right now with a fancy suit or some other powers. So... Well, that's also just the Sam Jackson persona of like, yeah. Well, true. He's <laughs> always cool, but still, when you start with Captain Marvel and she's like glowing and doing all that stuff, you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Point made. And, <laughs> and the cat with the giant tentacles coming out. Point made. I love that. I thought that was very funny. I'd heard, you know, oh, there's a twist with a cat. You know, did not see that coming at all. I did think that was very funny. Um so yeah, I like the cat, I like Goose a lot. Now, do you know the cat's name in the comics? Because they changed it. I heard of this because actually Kelly Sue, I read an interview with her. Um, was it Charlie or something like that? Chewy. Chewy. Chewy, that's the- right. I was reading about how she and why about the cat and the cat going into outer space, but she did not explain why she changed the name. I, of course, speaking of pilots, when I hear Goose, I think of Top Gun. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it and another pilot homage or not. Oh, I absolutely think so. Because yeah. if she was, if she joined the Air Force around 86 when the oh. when Top Gun came out, that would have made sense. That's true. Even though it, it is a little odd for an Air Force uh, pilot to name a cat after a naval aviator. But... <laughs> Inter-service rivalry aside, <laughs> let that one slide. Uh, still good fun, and and I, I mean, I get why they wouldn't want to do a full-on Star Wars, you know, message and in, in a Marvel movie because then it looks like this might look a little self-serving. That is true, very true. Disney's like we own all of it, but yeah, we won't we won't be that tacky as to cross-promote. We don't own Goose. We'll go that way. Uh, see, see, everyone wins. That's right. Yeah, I. It, but it was fun. Well, let's. Uh, since we've been fanning like crazy, yes. let's let's talk about some of the legal issues. So one of the things that I thought of was um, the Cree full-on kidnap an Air Force officer and impress her into service. Yeah, that's well, and it's an abduction. I mean, first of all, yeah, how is it even kidnapping? There's a whole a weird conversion thing when you basically, I mean, and good Lord, the way our science is going, we'll get there eventually. But if you actually basically transfuse her blood and actually convert her to an alien, that's, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of an identity theft. I mean, I don't know. What do we have that's even equipped to deal with this situation? Oh, golly. They're, it's such a long list. So definitely kidnapping because we got that. We got that, which again, form of abduction, but it's full on kidnapping. We have precedent with impressing service members into right. naval service. So again, that's on the books. That started a war. We got that. Uh, you then get into the personal torts, thinking about what they did to her. You know, so um, medical procedures without consent, right? actually changing her physiology, putting that restraining bolt on the back of her neck to Mm -hmm. limit her powers. 
none of that's good. And like kind of wiping the memory again, we don't have anything for that. I mean, presumably that's arguably some sort of torture. But what do you do if you can actually like wipe out or basically brainwash somebody? I don't know. So plot wise, and I'll pay more attention the second time on this. I don't know if the Cree wiped her memory or if the explosion wiped her memory. Mm, all right. So, and, mm. and if somebody caught that, you know, say so. Yeah. But no, that's a fair point. I guess I always assumed it was kind of implied and that's the whole thing where, you know, they've got this whole backstory for her. And so I assume that that was part of their message to her to control her. But, um, but that is a fair point. Maybe I did jump to that conclusion. Uh, it's a fair one because it that could be the answer. I I'm not sure, <laughs> but again, one of the reactions that I had. Uh, do you have one you want to share? Well, the one I have, and it's the same one in every movie, and you know they sort of address it in that. Was it Powerless? Was that the sitcom that was on briefly, which was so cute, and I miss. But you know, as she plunges through. Um, the ceiling of the blockbuster, of course, right? And the damage she commits there. And so I'm like, obviously you couldn't argue there's no intentional trespassing. I don't think there's any criminal issue since that was not intentional at all. You know, you can't even really argue negligence for her. So I'm like, I don't know that there's actually any liability. So the insurance has to pay, but do they exclude it under some sort of act of God or they'll claim terrorism or something? Um, there is though just the wanton destruction. I mean, well, there's thieving, right? She takes clothes, she takes a motorcycle, although the guy deserved it. Um, she blows up the jukebox. I'm like, just wanton destruction of private property here, people. Like, but for no other reason than to, you know, just kind of show off your powers. So it is uh, that sort of stuff. And then, of course, there's the destruction of property as you're pursuing the who you think to be bad guys, um, which is common in all these superhero movies. And again, who's responsible for and legally liable for cleaning up those messes? Those are good issues, and I saw a couple of those, but you had a couple more that I didn't catch initially, so good good job. Yeah, the so like with the clothes on the motorcycle, that's when I snuck out to use the bathroom. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I was, it was funny because she stole the motorcycle of a guy who told her she should smile more. So, oh, oh, yes, oh exactly. God. So that was a nice little yes, thank you. He's a d bag, don't say that. Uh, wow. So that's why I'm like, that one's justified. I'm like, you got that one in front of a jury of women. You're like, justified, jury nullification, not guilty. Oh, oh my. <laughs> that's a bad life choice. Bad. Exactly. So, so she's driving without a license, though. Oh, that, too. And yes. insurance, because we had mandatory insurance in California by that yes. point. Uh, I think 80s or early 90s that came into effect. So. Hmm. But yeah. yeah, so that's stuff. you had a good point, um, I think, regarding the scroll. The... Yeah, I think they're refugees and whether yeah. or not the, the United States would have an obligation to help. So mm-hmm. international treaties define refugees in part as owing to well-found fears of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality membership of a particular social group or political opinion is outside the country of his nationality and is unable or owing to such fear is unwilling to avail himself of the protections of that country 
or who, not having a nationality and being outside the country of his formal uh, habitual residence as a result of such events, is unable or, owing to such fears, unwilling to return to it. Well, if the Kree Empire is going full on, we're going to go carpet bomb the scrolls out of existence. Yeah, they're full on refugees at that point in time. And, you know, somebody might say, like, well, they're green. Okay. Skin color is not a reason to discriminate. The shape-shifting thing, yeah, that is a cause for concern, but because that could cause problems later. Yes. Uh, but they could qualify. Now, you do get into issues after well-founded fears of, did they commit war crimes themselves? And if it's war... I do, I do think that they were trying to survive. Uh, they were trying to avoid genocide. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I do think they could qualify as refugees. Well, and the question is, and I don't know. With I haven't looked at those statues, but I mean, we've talked about this with regard to animals, right? Would they be viewed? Normally, these things talk about persons or people, um, and would they be considered as such? Because obviously, that's, you know, where PETA and other groups have tried to get rights extended to animals, um, and that argument has always been resisted. On the other hand, our Supreme Court has said that corporations are basically people and even have free speech rights. So I think that any, you know, kind of life form that, um, can communicate and show that it has like, you know, kind of whatever our basic intelligence requirements are to apparently be president or something that should be able to qualify as persons or people under the statutes and get protection. But that'd be the big question is would they even follow within that as opposed to, but if you have a political belief or a, you know, cause it's not really nationality, it's like planet of origin that they're actually being chased from. I would boil it down to race. And they're a race. Literally speaking, they're a separate race. And they're being persecuted by another alien intelligence because of their race. Right. That uh, may be the, yeah, the closest one. Uh, so I don't, uh, again, maybe I'm just getting uh, super literal as a uh, displaced conservative. But... Uh, <laughs> A displaced, a refugee conservative without a home. <laughs> it's a very lonely time politically right now. In fact, like Kinden Looper seems like a really good choice. But anyway, second, it's like he spoke to me. Uh, that aside, I, I, I think they deserve protection. And it, it, you know, again, this is 1995, so I think the the Clinton administration would grant them refugee status because uh, while there's stuff that I might have disagreed with on Clinton on a whole bunch of issues, uh, I do think they He wasn't putting people in cages. He wasn't putting people in cages. Separating um, parents from their children. They, they were slow on the draw with Milosevic, but... Agreed. It's, that took way too long. Yes, it did. And it was too much of a bombing campaign, which is also what the Cree want to do, where you end up just with a whole bunch of innocent people dead. Yeah, so issues aside, I do. Yes, tangent. Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. Safe place, safe. Let it out. Uh, I do think they would have granted protection. 
Yes. Plus, if an alien race shows up with advanced technology, yeah, come on down. You want you want to live here? How's we'll, we'll build a town for you. What kind we'll of environment? Something that's right. Do you like it hot, hot and dry? We got a whole bunch of land for you. We're gonna we'll, we'll take care of the water thing. Do you need water? Yeah, <laughs> maybe you don't. What do you need to eat? Yeah, we we can figure this out, and because uh, <laughs> we're gonna want some spaceships. And mm-hmm. let's rock and roll. Uh, so was it under, was the, cause of course, not that we were able to get them and not that we'd have jurisdiction over them, but the Cree were intending to basically blow up, carpet bomb the entire world. Was that right? Was that their intent? It, it, they, they were starting basically and look like California yeah. and, and the continental U.S. So I do think that raises an issue of, that's an act of war. I was going to say, they're declaring war on us right there. We yeah, may not that, even know what was happening, but they were declaring yeah. war. So that raises an interesting question of, does a state of war exist between the United States and the Korea Empire? <laughs> yes. Is it just the does. U.S.? Or is it the entire planet Earth? Right. Because there, there are some countries that are completely fine with us getting screwed. But... <laughs> If all the atmospheric dust comes up and puts the Earth into a nuclear winter because we get flattened, everybody suffers. So, team effort here. Uh, We wouldn't want, say, mainland China China decimated. We would step up and help there. Right. Uh, So, but yeah, I do think technically a state of war exists, either planetary (laughs) or with the United States. Just with us. And how would you go to, you know, Speaker Newt Gingrich and say, like, so we're going to need Congress to vote on this? Because, again, it's 95. Yeah. Right, because the contract with America, that was 94, right? Yep. Wow. So so this could have been, you know, in the time of uh, Congressman Sonny Bono, who I do I so miss him. Uh, You know, he died skiing and he hit a tree. I hit a tree skiing when I was like 14 and, you know, cause there's also a Kennedy who died that way playing football while skiing and hit a tree. So I think what that was, I'm like, I am lucky I survived. All these other people hit trees and died. So, and actually that would have been, no, that would have been late eighties when I did it. So, but yes. And yeah. then Mary Bono, his widow was briefly, wasn't she, didn't she take over for him for a little while? She did. She did. At least we still have a share. She's a national treasure, so. And, and federal funding should protect her, just yes. as, um, yes, long live share. So, That's right. So, yeah, different, different, different story. Different story. But that aside, <laughs> that would be interesting to go to Congress and have them vote in secret for a de- declaration of war against an alien empire. I know, and again, the UN. And, you know, the, the Hague Convention, um, all of those kind of treaties, in theory, would not apply with anything with the Cree. There's no holds barred. Um, no, yeah, no nuclear weapons treaties, anything like that. But the truth of the matter is we probably would have been on the losing end of any of those wars. So it's a good thing that we're really in a Cold War situation kind of with them, you know. Neither side is doing anything, even though I don't think we can claim mutually assured destruction. Yeah, well, MAD wouldn't work with them because uh, we would be fighting a defensive war. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I still think we would follow treaties because that's our framework. And when you start stepping away from the framework, 
you make exceptions in other places. So I would, I mean, like I'd be fine using nukes in space, like because the size of their ships, our conventional weapons might not even make a dent. Yes. So, did you so, not remember that from Independence Day? They tried the nuke and it didn't work. Yeah. If, if we're gonna Reed, have to hit Randy them, Quaid. we're gonna have to hit them. Hit them hard. Probably something non-conventional. But uh, we need to send up Jeff Goldblum. He has to infect their shields from the inside. Because that Randy works. Quaid has to go right up the laser beam. Good thing the aliens used us. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise, quite frankly, Josh, it doesn't matter what conventions we do or don't follow. We're hosed. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. But we would still we would still try. We're not going to just roll over and take it. No. You know, like no, you put up a fight, uh, and that would actually that kind of threat would get Congress to spend lots of money with like you want flying aircraft carriers done that's right <laughs> holy fudge what kind of weapon system do you need approved and go defend the planet well and you would need the scroll i mean they'd be the only ones who i mean forget refugee status they are now your only experts and consultants for how to battle the Cree. and they'd be like uh kind of like uh Werner von braun after world war ii mm. operation paperclip except they were refugees coming over as opposed to somebody that we just fought yeah being able to go so you need a place to live now that we know about this problem we don't want to get screwed either so let's Mm -hmm. let's work together do you want some place in appalachia do you want the desert seattle Werner uh brown didn't hand up in huntsville alabama yes yeah i don't know how it seems like he could have chosen a better place but okay (laughs) you hide in the plain side in the middle of nowhere and There you go. But yeah, that's, yes, yes, indeed. So, so anyways, we are going way off topic here. This is actually more for Thomas if we're going to start talking military strategy or anything here. I am way out of my, uh, outside of my Independence Day references. I'm not so good with the military strategies. So, um, and I think actually Independence Day would have been later 90s, right? So it was after all of this, Jeff Goldblum's best role. Uh, late 90s. Yeah, I think that was late 90s. But, but yes, okay, so any other legal issues here? Um, obviously, well, impersonating, they were also impersonating, I guess, federal officers, right? Whatever, the, I guess, the shield officers or whatever. Uh, the scroll, again, we probably overlooked that at the end of the day, but um, there have to be some pardons granted or something. The, the uh, you know, prosecutorial discretion of, like, we're just, we're not going to go there. We're going to yeah. call in Mulligan. We're sorry, your guy got killed. <laughs> we dissected him. All that's we, forgiven. We're moving on. We're going to move on together. Uh, yeah, that that would definitely a couple issues there. The uh, goose was goose abandoned after Marvel died, so the cat's just running around for six years at Project Pegasus as the base cat. Is anyone feeding the cat? And if the cat's abandoned, that makes the cat abandoned property. So Sam Jackson, oh, excuse me, you know, uh, Nick Fury would have been right to have taken the kitty. (laughs) Well, it depends. As a cat lover, you'd probably say that nobody ever owns a cat, right? So there's no such thing as abandonment of the cat. The cat chooses to spend time 
with a particular person for a particular amount of time. So I would make that argument number one. Number two, of course, is it turns out, well, spoiler alert, but presumably you've seen the movie. Obviously, it's not actually a cat. Um, so then we, again, yes, would there be any arguments there? Would any of the animal cruelty laws apply or are we now dealing with, dealing with basically a scroll? And again, this comes back to what, you know, are our laws equipped for when we start dealing with aliens who don't communicate the same way we do, but are clearly intelligent beings with very impressive powers, um, you know, how our system is not equipped to handle that. So the cats either... Goose is either can be considered a cat or it could be considered a giant squid. And in the cat situation, that's a domestic animal and we have laws in place and it's a chattel and can be adopted. Wild animals, if I remember right, and I would need to research this, but I, if, I believe it is kind of a finder's keeper type thing, but there are laws in place that you can't just go out and take a, a dolphin home. You know, like we don't want people doing that. So we do have laws in place for. Usually they're pretty specific though. Like I know, for example, certain birds, like I don't know, actually, I bet, well, actually, I may or may not know people who have gone out in the wild and taken wild animals and brought them home to be pets. They may or may not be related to me, but I'm not going to say anything. Um, I did have my sister-in-law's dad was on a Coast Guard um, ship down in either South 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 America or actually in Antarctica did try to sneak a penguin on his ship and the captain did make him return the penguin. Um, but again, see, this is where I'm seeing if it's an alien, I would argue you don't get to classify it as a squid. If it's an alien, we're then back into the same category conceivably as a scroll. I mean, it clearly had intelligence. Um, it knew the good guys from the bad guys just because it doesn't communicate like us and chooses to take the form of a domestic animal. I would argue does not mean that we should have the right to tr treat it any differently than we do the scrolls. I think it's more in the category of a pet. Yes, it has intelligence, but it doesn't have, it, it's like a smart dog or cat. It's like a domestic pet. I disagree. I do not think you have enough data to determine that. I mean, it knew good guys from bad guys. It could fight off bad guys intentionally. It's just like some dogs. Oh, but it also could be, I mean, but, I'm, but I'm just saying, and this and that's actually what becomes the issue with animals, right? As we discover that some animals are more and more intelligent. But if we do right now, we've got a pretty clean line. Like there's people, and again, the corporations apparently fit in the people category, which I will never understand. And for our listeners, Jessica is using her hand. So it's great. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry. There's on one side, but you've got a line and above that line is people and corporations, again, bogus, but people, we all have a mutual understanding of what people are. And then below that line is animals. Once you introduce aliens, there is no longer that clear line. And I would argue that we do not have nearly enough data points to say that goose falls below the line into the animal thing. Do you have to start doing intelligence tests? And if so, how do we decide those? I mean, you know, what may work for like me as a lawyer for an intelligence test, you know, out in outer space, I may be the freaking moron and goose is like, here's how you run this spaceship and take care of stuff. So well, I, I think we can assume it's an animal. I always assume I'm the moron in the group and uh, <laughs> controls expectations and <laughs> makes relationships easier too. <laughs> but uh, the other half of this is, 
um, that's interesting analysis because it would require evidentiary hearings to figure mm-hmm. out what are we dealing with here with alien life. I I still think it's more like a cat, but that's also because I've read the comics. Ah, uh, yes. Well, that's true. You probably do have more data points than I do. But it's not like, say, Cosmo, who was in Guardians of the Galaxy and... Now, you know, again, one of the Russian dogs launched into space that gains intelligence and can communicate. Mm, so nice. like, the, so that's a different category or rock the raccoon. Right. As I say, clearly that, or even Groot, where would Groot fall? I, person, I, I do. Now, again, this is entertaining that I'm, I'm now the liberal in the discussion, but yes, I do think <laughs> I, I, I'm. Groot person. Hey, Rocket Groot could be a person. I trust Groot's vote more than I trust other people's vote, as I'm having a hard time saying vote. I'm just saying I think Goose may fall above that line. I'm not convinced that Goose falls below the people-animal line. I – that would be an interesting debate to have. And I to – so, hmm. Well, you'd so, even need to find, I mean, basically you would have to do a Daubert challenge, right? I mean, uh-huh. you would, it would be an expert, but because the first question, you know, when you have a competing experts, for example, you and I both do construction litigation, when you have competing experts, the first battle you have is what standards do you apply? What are the applicable industry standards, for example, that should apply to, you know, concrete blocks or something um and then you have a second argument often about did this particular product meet that standard or not but i think that's actually the first debate we would have to have here and you probably need philosophy experts and i don't know what kind of scientists of what are the standards to apply to decide basically it comes down to a question of who would we give full rights to and who do we protect in a paternalistic way versus then the third category is like ah who don't we care about at all like fish you know tuna sardines are like we just want to eat you and we're not going to do anything else for you yeah i i I think goose would be a domestic animal but that's that's me but we can (laughs) but i really dig your analysis and the way that you're setting up the issue for for framing so i i do think you have the right standard and i do think it's the right methodology i just i think he goose is a pet all right, well, look at this. We may have to make this. This could be a future debate for one of our cons, eh? But seriously, we would now need to go beyond geeks into, like, we would need some philosophy geeks to really kind of help us, like, what is existence? What Well, it's the whole I think, therefore I am kind of thing. If you're conscious of your own existence, is that what it takes to fall, be above the human, the people, the, you know, full rights line? Ooh, I love this. We're turning into a philosophy podcast. Yeah, and next thing you know, we'll be quoting uh, Socrates and, and Aristotle with a. <laughs> I see horse. I'm a fan. <laughs> I see horse, I not horse ness. <laughs> it's a table, not table ness. <laughs> I just have, yeah, I'm now I'm like, okay, I'm way in. See, it's getting late. I'm getting all goofy, but I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. And this is why we hang out. That's so. right. Uh, All over Goose the Cat. Who knew? Or Goose? What's it? It's a Fremkin. Fremkin. I, I I never quite got the pronunciation right. Okay. So, and asking the dyslexic guy to sound out the word with all the vowels is just <laughs> intentional infliction of emotional distress. <laughs> sound it out. What's wrong with you? Why can't you do it? Oh man! See if you'd taken that Scientology course, you would have been fine. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> You'd be in Sea Org for the next billion years. 
man, now we've got the Scientologists out us man we are gonna be in trouble yeah uh so let's uh let's focus (laughs) get back on track probably time to wrap up it's probably a good time to wrap up before i tick off anyone else yeah good good call good life choice there uh yeah it's so what was your uh, feeling on the end game teaser it is very much, you know, and I get it, like, all their friends were just wiped out. They couldn't stop, like, the destruction of half the, you know, universe's population. So it's a real bummer time to be an Avenger, and that bummerness really comes through in the in the trailers. Um, you know, it's really up to Ant-Man and Captain Marvel to give a little bit of kind of a moment of levity to these each of these trailers. And it's kind of funny that both of them show up at the end of the trailers, right, with this little bit of lightness or whatever i do love the idea on many levels of thor and captain marvel hanging out and i may have to write some fanfic about that but that's a whole separate thing (laughs) well when actors have good chemistry the audience wins and (laughs) yes just just the two of them looking at each other it's like oh this could be hysterical Mm -hmm. this could be a rip-roaring good time and I'm down with that. The, what do you think about the trailer? Uh, the, the brand new one that's the black and white with just hints of color for the flashback scenes and putting the band back together, I always find inspiring. You know, yes. I, my meta view of comics and comic movies is people long for heroes. We long to see heroes overcome challenges. Yeah. We want to see the good guys win, the good guys rally. And I always find that inspiring because yeah. like Nick Fury, I still believe in heroes. Aww. And like those previews have given me chills. This is a wonderful time to be a geek, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone who grew up in the 70s or 80s reading comic books and now we have the technology to make billion dollar movies that the world loves when saying that you liked comics was a, taking a public vow of celibacy <laughs> oh yeah that got me girls you know <laughs> but now we're in the golden age where that does work and <laughs> so why do you think y- does this podcast ladies <laughs> So I look at young people today, it's like, how dare you be a toxic schmuck? What's wrong with you? Amen. It's like, this is a golden, golden age. And be happy. Enjoy it. It's like, even if you're talking with somebody who doesn't have the same, uh, like, time invested, like, so I got like 25, 30 years worth of fandom. And you talk to someone who might have like two, don't belittle them. Welcome them to the party. If they want suggestions of, it's like, hey, the death of Captain Marvel is required reading. It is a wonderful way to think about life and death and the heroes, the, the end of the hero's journey and how horrible cancer is. Check it out. Yeah. Or, if you're just happy going to see Captain Marvel, that's cool too. It's not, re- you know, your life can go on without it, but I think it would be enriched checking out 
some of Jim Starlin's work. Yeah. Um, so I have a very meta sense about this that I'm just super grateful. And uh, I, I welcome everyone to the party and I'm happy to share trade paperbacks if people or, or, you know, some of the older comics in the long boxes that if you want to read, you know, older stories, cause like that's where they came from. And we want to see heroes triumph. We want to see them save the day from the trillions of people who died. We just as in real life, we don't want to see children in cages. Mm-hmm. We don't like comic book villains and who are president. Mm-hmm. We want to see heroes rise, which is why we see people wanting to run for president, which is why we cheer for the, the lawyers who were in mom's groups who are rallying to go to detention centers and fight for kids in cages. Yeah, and airports. Yep. Well, we want to see people who are willing to do the right thing, even when it's hard, because we all know that we should do the right thing, even when it's hard. But in our real lives, we all stumble sometimes. And so it's, it's good to see those heroes reminding us of the importance of doing that. Speaking up, even when it's unpopular, fighting, even when it's hard, you've got to do the right thing. As Martin Luther King said, it is always the right time to do the right thing word uh it's so you know we all want heroes and which is why i i loved captain marvel i'm ecstatic and kind of like edge of my seat for endgame and spider-man's gonna be the glorious sorbet to clear the palate after (laughs) after probably crying in the parking lot after endgame so there's uh yeah i'll probably be sobbing but that's okay uh because that's that's what these movies are for. And it is okay for men to cry. That is part of your strength. So it's only a weak person who is afraid to cry. Especially if a puppy's involved. But yes. uh <laughs> Or Captain America. Yeah, it's again, he's front and center in the poster, so uh, I, I don't believe in making predictions, but I think Cap's days are numbered and there's gonna be some sacrifice. I, yeah, but it's going to be noble. I think for the others, <clears throat> I were a betting man. I would want them to survive but move on in some way so that way they, they could come back mm-hmm. because don't close the door on money. Don't right, close, right. I mean, if Robert Downey Jr. wants to come back at some point or Chris Helmsworth, do that. Yes, yes. They, they, they can. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I would like to see more Thor because they now figured out how to write the char- write him correctly. Yes. <sighs> anyway, uh, well, we will be talking more about Endgame as it comes. So before and after, so there's still plenty more Marvel talk to come in the months ahead. Exactly. And speaking of talks, if you are going to WonderCon. On March 29th at 6.30, we have our Stormtrooper product liability uh, mock hearing, and that's going to be lots of fun. I recorded video depositions recently, so stay tuned for that. We 
also have a Batman 90th anniversary or 80th anniversary panel talking about legal issues of the Cape Crusader and a good lawyer team there to discuss Batman. So it's a wonderful time to be a geek. Lots of great, great stories to be told and, and for folks like us or psychologists or doctors to weigh or in philosophers. on. Or philosophers. Or philosophers. It's a long list. Probably nutritionists. nutritionists Wellness you know. coaches. Yeah, it's life coaches. All, all there. Uh, but with that, everyone, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America. <laughs>